All right, you can go and find your seats. Some of you introverts are like just waiting to hear my voice. You're like, yes, I can finally sit down. Hey, I just want to say uh, thank you to worship team uh, this week, every week. You know, they're on obviously on rotation stuff, but Kathy, Joe, uh, I'm trying to think who's all on worship team, Marissa, Evan, Eric on the worship team today, and then he, all the folks in the back too, Melinda on sound, and he on slides, and Aubrey on switcher, and where's Nathan? Nathan walking around on cameras. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how many people it takes, how many volunteers it takes, so that we can have a few moments of distraction-free worship. It really is pretty amazing. And I, I look at worship as like, um, as like fertilizer, not like manure, but like, uh, I mean, I guess it could be, <laughs> uh, but fertilizer for the soil. And it prepares our hearts for the, the teaching, prepares our hearts for an environment where you can trust God and have faith. Some of us, we have a, a, a kind of a, a soil uh, in our hearts that has gone a little, uh, let's say, not the most conducive to spiritual growth because of things that we've been putting into our hearts. And this is a time for that soil to get uh, kind of regenerated to be a place where um, things can grow. You know, what's, what's so funny, this is not on the notes at all, but what's so interesting about Galatians 5 talks about how uh, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving in someone's life is not church attendance. The evidence is not how much they serve. The evidence is what, they, what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and the rest. And the reason why it's called fruit is because if, in order to grow something, you need the right soil and the right seed. Well, the seed is the word of God, and so that's incorruptible, so that's going to grow. So if, the, if there isn't spiritual fruit in our lives, it's not the seed's fault, it's the soil's fault, right? And the, and the Bible talks about this in, in other parables as well. So we got to make sure, is, is our heart right? And so people will say, should I go to this place on Friday night or not? Should I watch this? Should I read this? Should I hang out with these friends? I don't know. How does that affect your soil? How does that affect your heart? Right? So some of us overthinking are like, oh, well, I'm not producing you know, love or humility in my heart. I have anger so much or lust or whatever. Well, what are you feeding into your soil that makes those things grow and not the fruit of the Spirit? Anyway, something to think about if you want to unpack that more. Let's grab coffee. We'll, we can talk about it. But that's not what we're talking about today. Okay, so we're in the last week of the Won't You Be My Neighbor uh, series. We're talking about neighboring. We talked about uh, the great commandment, how Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, right? And the, we talked about this before, but the religious leaders all kind of had their uh, focus, because you get really, there's over 600 some laws in the, what we would call uh, the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, what they would call the law of Moses. There were 600 plus laws that every rabbi, every religious teacher would have kind of their area of focus. So one rabbi might say that you're, we should uh, focus on cleanliness, like physical cleanliness, washing our hands. Some would talk about relationships. Some would talk about social justice or community involvement. Some would talk about sexual impurity, right, as the, the focus of it. And so they all have their disciples and they're, they're, going, to, they're going to Jesus and they ask Jesus what the greatest commandment is. In other words, pick me, Jesus. Pick what my focus is. So my disciples look at me and say, Rabbi, you were right. You were right. He, he picked personal cleanliness or whatever. And we're the same way, right? So many times we can focus on really good things. And churches can be this way. Individuals, Christians can be this way where we make a paramount focus of something that is good, something that is important, but it's not the most important, but we elevate to a level of importance. 
Church splits happen not over, typically, they don't happen over really important issues. Church splits happen over minor issues that were made major, right? Second date issues that were made to be the most important thing, right? So they asked, they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, and Jesus answered in a way they were not expecting. And actually, Jesus answered in a way that was straight out of Deuteronomy, was straight out of the books they had already memorized before they were even 13 years old. So what he was telling them is you already know the answer. So we'll unpack it uh, here again today. So Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, it says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Again, law of Moses is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, uh, They would, again, would have memorized this at a very early age. So, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Some of your translations say, and all your strength. In other words, love the Lord your God with all that makes you, you. That would have been a Jewish understanding. Our understanding, maybe in the West, would be love the Lord your God with all your social media, with all your money, with all your investments, with all your talents, with all that makes you, you. Love the Lord. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. Then a second is equally important. Sometimes we get this mixed up where you see, we see this as uh, commandment one and commandment two. That's not the way he lays this out. This is both one, one A and one B. These are both equally important. That's really important for us to understand because sometimes we say, I love God, I just don't like people, Right? Or we say that as like kind of like a cheeky thing. I love my neighbor. I just don't like them. You don't understand. And so many times we have the, the reason why we're not really being used by God is because we don't understand this. So we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we dislike our neighbor. We see our neighbor as an enemy or we see our neighbor as, you know, someone that we can't agree with. It doesn't say love your neighbor as long as you agree with them. It doesn't say align politically with your neighbor. It doesn't say believe the same things as your neighbor. It says love your neighbor, period, full stop. So equally important, love your neighbor as yourself, as much as you love yourself. And we all love ourselves a lot, right? And here's a simple way to look at it. You know, a hundred bucks is a lot to spend on your neighbor, it's not a lot to spend on you, is it? Right? You love yourself a lot. It says, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Right? Then it says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Keep it up there. The entire law. So the first five books of the Bible, right? Also, Jesus elevates it. He says, not only the law, but all the demands of the prophets. All the prophets. A good chunk of the rest of what we call the Old Testament the major and minor prophets. So Jesus says not only the, the most important law, but everything else, all the stuff that you memorized, all the, and we say major and minor prophets, not like there was like a hierarchy of like major league and minor league prophets. What this is, major just means longer prophets, right? Like longer sections of text. That was a major, and if they didn't have much text, then that was a minor prophet, a smaller and larger book is a way, way to look at it. So, but all these prophets, and all the law hangs on these two ideas. Love God, love people. In other words, 
if you don't love God, all that makes you you, and you don't love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, nothing else matters. That's what Jesus is saying. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you gave to the building campaign. You don't have a building campaign, but how much you gave to a building campaign. I don't care how much you serve. I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much you don't listen to this or that music or watch this or that show and you're so pious about it. I don't care. None of that matters if you don't love a Lord your God. Everything that makes you, you. And you don't love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Start there. Because all the demands of the prophets, what they were leading everyone to, hangs on those two ideas. They all come from those two ideas. So we decided as a church that if Jesus would focus on this as the most important, then as followers of Christ. Now, if, if you're not a Christian in the room, we're so glad you're here. But for those of us that are Christians, what we'd say as a church family is we're going to really challenge you to live as, as if that was, tr was true. And so one of these things is as a follower of Jesus that we're going to focus a few weeks on this. Now, you've got to understand, this is not just an initiative for a few weeks and then whew, we're off the hook. We go on the next unit. This is something that has been going on for millennia and we're going to bring it up like a month from now, two months from now, if I remember. We're going to bring a How's your block map going? How's your block map going? We'll print more. If you're watching this online and you, we, there's people that watch online from all around the world and if you will seriously do this, we'll send you one, right? Like wherever you're at, we'll send you one. If, as long as it doesn't end up in your trunk. If you, one month from now, you lose this or whatever, we'll print more. It's that important because I really believe with all of my heart, some, one of the most significant ways God may use you in your life will be through your relationships with your neighbors, I really believe that with all of my heart, this is not just an initiative. So two weeks ago, we passed out these block magnets. If you haven't done it yet, and here's the crazy thing, Christians, people in general, Christians, me included, have this amazing propensity to agree with things that we have no intention of actually doing. Right? We have this amazing ability to amen and sing songs and, yeah, I agree with that. I'm not going to do it. But yeah, we should have block maps. I'm not going to have one. You try to give me one for two weeks now. I'm not going to take one, but amen. Other people should do that. And I'm going to tell my friends that my church is doing this neighboring initiative. I'm so proud of that. I have no intention of actually doing it. Right? We can think that just agreeing with something is the same as doing it or, or believing something is the same as doing it. And that's not what this is. So I'm going to be this holy annoyance to you to say, trust me, do it. You're missing out. It's not because God wants something from you. It's because God wants something for you. I really believe that. So take the chance uh, to do that. And we'll talk about that more. So I want to confess something to you as it relates to neighboring and relationships and the, the block map. This is really hard for me. Like really, really hard for me. Doing ministry for the past like 20 plus years, I've been around so many people, if you guys are into Enneagram, that are like Enneagram 7s. I've always been surrounded by Enneagram 7s because I is not one, okay? So Enneagram 7s tend to be parties. They can't organize a one-man parade, but they are like parties waiting to happen. You know when they're there. Like Enneagram 7s are the ones that, like, and this is, again, not me, but when they host a party, that's the party you want to be at. Right? If you have a party at your house, you're trying to invite these people. And some of you guys know who these people are. Again, they're not going to help you organize anything. Don't ask them to bring anything because they're going to forget. They'll probably show up an hour late, but once they get there, you're really glad that they're there. The problem is if the room is just full of people like me, 
we'll end up with a dead party that starts precisely on time. Okay, so that's, that's the problem with me. So, so for me, I have all these friends that can host these fun parties, memorable parties, memorable experiences, and then there's me. And I feel like I get anxiety before parties. I don't know if for you, my wife and I, we have to go be like these city events or chamber of commerce events or networking stuff for the mayor and whatever. And when I go to these things, I'm, it, we're, we're like driving up in the parking lot. I'm telling Natalie, we're not staying for long. Like I'm all, I've already left in my head and we haven't even gotten to the event yet. You guys like that, right? And so, so some of you guys may look at me and go, that's really surprising. Oh man, if you only knew what was going on in my head. So all that to say, if this is intimidating for you, I don't want you to look at me and go, oh, talk as a pastor, he's outgoing. He probably, you know, has prayed with all of his neighbors. They have crusades in the cul-de-sac. You know what I mean? Babies are getting baptized. People are raising from the dead. No, I, I, this is so hard for me. You know, part of pastoring is phone calls. I told some of you guys a story before, but um, one of my favorite things when I have to make phone calls is getting your voicemail. Is it anybody else? I mean, it's a confession moment, right? It's like you're going, please don't answer. Please don't answer. I, lo- I just don't want to talk to you. I just, and then you get the voicemail like, hey, I sorry I missed you. Hey, no need to call me back, All right? Text me if you need to get a hold of me, but I just wanted to let you know this. Okay, love you, bye. So I used to have this app. I think it was called like Sly Dial or Slick Dial or something like that. It was like a $5.99 app, which was a big deal back in the day when the app store first came out. What this app allowed you to do, I have no idea how it worked. It, it, it doesn't really exist anymore, so maybe they were doing illegal things. But it would, so say I was calling Gabe, and it would dial Gabe. It would make his phone ring for like a microscopic amount of time. Impossible for him to answer the phone. He would just look at his phone later and go, huh, missed the call. Yeah. But what it would do, it, was, it would kick me directly to voicemail. So I got to leave so many voicemails going, hey, no need to call me back. It was the best thing. Why? Because I had social anxiety. Like, this stuff is so hard for me. So, again, I, I don't want you to hear this and what we're talking about through this series, especially today, and go, oh, Taka's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. He loves making phone calls. He loves going to talk to people he doesn't know. That's not me at all. Like, at, not even a little bit. Okay? So, if you are on this side of the introvert kind of side of the spectrum, you're in good company. But I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. And we'll talk about why uh, in a little bit here. So last week we talked about one of the neighbors or the, the barriers to being a good neighbor is simply creating space. As so much of us have so much clutter and hurry and anxiety and just stuff in our life. Like physically we have a lot of stuff. And in our schedule we have a lot of stuff uh, that uh, we just need to create space. And that life is created on the margins and the space. Relationships, the best things of life are never in hurry, are never in clutter but it's always in that space on the margins that we have to create, right? Because th- th- what it's, what's true is with the abundance of information comes a deficit of attention, right? And with the abundance of clutter comes a deficit of relationship. And so you may say, God, use me. When? When would he? God, speak to me. God, speak through me. When? Like when? So if you missed last week for a reason or you just need to listen to it again, go back and, and listen to it. But today we're going to talk about another huge factor, which is fear. Time is a huge piece. Fear is a huge piece, too. Because unless we conquer fear, you could have time and you still won't do it. 
he still won't do it. And this is not in the notes, but there's a verse, I think, in Proverbs where it says that the lazy man won't leave his house because he says there's a lion in the streets. What does that mean? It's not like in ancient Israel, there were just lions roaming the streets. Okay, what this is saying is when you live with making excuses, you begin to make such extravagant excuses that in your head you think, fooling them, and everyone else is like, why do you lie so much? Why are you like that? <laughs> you know what I mean? But the excuses seem so real to you, and this is what it is with fear. We can make excuses. Okay, here's why I can't develop a relationship with my neighbors, because and you can just lay out all these reasons. But they're excuses. They're excuses. Right? So one of the big reasons why we make excuses is fear. And fear is valid but it still needs to be overcome. So we're going to read through a passage of scripture in Numbers, your favorite book, uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. Uh, it says uh, this. It says, after exploring the land for 40 days. So what happened was they sent spies into the, into the promised land to go kind of scope it out, do some recon, and then come back and let us know what are we facing. So here's what happens. After exploring the, the, the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruits. They actually brought fruit from the land, put it in their backpacks, showed them this. And this was, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Not literally. It's not like rivers of milk and honey because that'd be really unsanitary. Uh, it's figurative, obviously. It's a fertile land. Uh, next verse. Here is a kind of fruit it produces. Show them fruit. But the people living there are powerful. So it's great, super thankful that the Lord brought us here. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, Caleb, but Caleb. And all of us need a Caleb in our life because the, the voices... Before were a lot of the voices that are in my head. These are the voices of fear saying, here's all the reasons why it can't happen. And then there's Caleb. Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Next verse. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Caleb saw the same stuff as the other spies. And for him, he's going, God's with us. Man, we got this. But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. We can't go against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land of the Israelites. In other words, their fear was contagious. Their excuses were contagious. Faith is contagious, so is fear. Right? Spirits reproduce spirits. So they spread the bad report about, about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through, in quotes, uh, and explored will devour anyone. The land itself is now dangerous. Will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Next verse. We even saw giants there, in case you missed it before. We even saw giants there still that ascends of a knock. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And here's a key line. We felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. They didn't talk to anybody, but they're going next to those guys, we're like grasshoppers. You know what? They thought we were grasshoppers too. It's interesting about that. For 40 years, they wandered. 
An entire generation had to pass because fear was so ingrained in their culture. And the guy named Joshua takes over. And God gives a message. And Joshua 1.9, when Joshua leads, Joshua takes over and says, you know what? We're going on a different plan. Moses is gone. The old leadership is gone. We're a new people. And here's what he says, verse, uh, Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Be, some of you guys need to hear that right now. That God is asking you to do things and it's about neighboring, but it's so much more than about neighboring. That God is asking you to do something, but you're afraid. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So then Joshua sends spies out. The spies breach enemy lines. And they talk to this woman named Rahab. Right? And Joshua 2, 9, chapter later, this is what Rahab says to the spies. So this is the first time they actually talk to the people in the land. And Rahab says, here's what we actually think about you. You think we see you as grasshoppers? Here's what we actually think about you. It says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. And the great fear of you has fallen on us. What? They didn't think they were grasshoppers. They were actually afraid of the nation of Israel. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear of you. See, fear not only changes the way you see people. Problem is, fear changes the way that you think they see you as well. Fear doesn't change the way you see them. Fear changes the way that you think they see you. So I want you to think about your neighborhood. So many times we think we got our neighbors pegged. We know what they're like, right? Oh, the neighbor over there, they're the busybodies. Neighbor over there, that's neighborhood watch. Neighbor over there, they don't care about anybody. The neighbor over there, he hates me. Don't know why, but he hates me because he gives me a weird look every time I walk by. Maybe he's just got RBF. Like, you don't know what, he, he, he might not like, dislike you at all. That's just the way his face is, right? But we think we have our neighbors pegged because what fear does is fear keeps us separated. Love always draws close. Fear keeps us separated. Fear of what people believe, fear of what people believe about us, Fear of what is going to happen. Like there's, <laughs> I used to snowboard a lot. Uh, a lot. And you guys ever like snowboarded? Remember your first time snowboarding? It's like the harder you try, the dumber you look. You know what I mean? It's like the harder you like try to jump into it, the f- harder you're going to fall on your knees or your face or your butt. Like your knees and your butt are just sore. You know what I mean? From the first day of snowboarding, because you're just the harder you try, the dumber you look. And I don't, when, I, when I think about neighboring, about going to my neighbors, especially like in our new neighborhood, which I don't know them very well yet, I think of like, I'm going to fall flat on my face. Right now, I don't know them, but if I do this, I'm going to be known as the weird guy. Like, I will be known, and they will talk amongst themselves. No, we know him now. That's Taka. He for real is weird. And we know that for a fact now, right? Fear. Fear. So what does fear do? Fear keeps that from happening. So fear keeps us separated. There's an old German proverb that says, fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. Fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. See, Israel was on the doorstep of something huge that God wanted to do through them. Huge. Forever change human history. But fear caused them to miss out on what God wanted them to do. 
In reality, Jericho was afraid of Israel. And so all of us, all of us are, are naturally afraid of the unknown, except for the few of us that are just like, you're just really tough. I'm not one of those people. I, still to this day, we don't have stairs on our house, but our last house we did. If at the end of the night, I shut off all the lights in, on the main floor and walked upstairs to the bedrooms, I still felt like something was about to grab my ankles, right? So I'd walk faster and faster and faster. I'm a grown adult, okay? There's no boogeyman down there. I know that, but I don't know that. You know what I mean? So I walk faster. Why? Because the fear of the unknown, right? When I was little, I used to think that the, like if I tuck my feet into the, the blanket, whatever's under my bed can't get me, right? Because I don't, they just can't reach through the blanket. I don't know what the situation was that where they're, they're, they couldn't do that. But there was fear, fear of the unknown. There are so many times I wet the bed, not recently, uh, but I wet the bed until I was way too old to wet the bed. You know why? One, I slept really hard. Don't do that anymore. Secondly, I didn't want to leave my bed while it was dark because if I, I watched too many like Nightmare on Elm Street kind of movies, you know, so I'm like, if I put my foot down, something is going to grab my foot and drag me to the pit of hell, you know, or wherever, whatever's going on. Freddie's going to take me to the dreamland or whatever, right? So I thought fear of the unknown. And fear of the unknown also keeps us from developing relationships with our neighbors. Because what happens? What could happen? I know right now I live in a safe place. I know that I'm comfortable. I can just wave at my neighbors. Let's not disrupt this. But what happens if I try to walk across the yard, walk across the street? Who knows? Who knows? What, what if you develop a relationship with someone and they're super needy and they're super annoying and now you're like best friends with them and they're always coming over, want to talk about nothing? What if, what if they think they find out you vote differently than them and they think you're crazy and they get the whole neighborhood to come against you? What if they're just scoping it out and they want to see what you have in your house and garage and are going to rob you? Right? All irrational. For the most part, irrational. Right? The reality is, they're just as fearful as you are. Right? Someone has to break the cycle of fear. Look, sometimes fear is justified, okay? Sometimes fear is justified. If, you, if, if your neighbor is uh, selling drugs out of their garage, I don't know if you really, maybe do that one last. Build the relationships with the rest of them, the rest of the neighbors around them. You can band together in the case of something happening and go to that house last as a group. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's sometimes fear is valid. Most of the times it's not, right? And ultimately, ultimately, following Jesus is not necessarily designed to be safe. Did you know that missionaries back in the day, uh, especially the one when we first went, started going over to Africa, would pack their belongings, not in luggage, but they would pack it in wooden caskets. Do you know this? It's true. When they would go to Southeast Asia or they would go to Africa, they would literally pack all their belongings in caskets as a reminder that this may be a one-way trip, that it wasn't always going to be safe, but they were going to feel the fear and go anyways. Look, God may not be calling you to go to some unreached people group in the Himalayas, you just have to walk across the street. And yeah, is it scary? Yeah, it is. Especially if you're built like me, you're a little introverted or a lot introverted, it's tough. 
again, I want you to know, <laughs> I am not extroverted. I have friends, and this is what ticks me off, to know when I've had so many conversations with God about this. I have so many pastoral friends where you can give them a microphone, they'll be like, I don't know what to say. Okay, here's some thoughts off the top of my head. And give like a 20-minute amazing talk with three points and illustrations and they close with a sad song and a dance. I mean, they're like, no notes, right? And they're so good. I have friends that can speak without notes four or five services in a row. There's a reason why I have my iPad up here, okay? I need notes. What does this mean? I've learned to embrace me. I've learned to embrace me. And there's certain things that I'm good at, and there's certain things that I'll just get less and less terrible at. This is one of the things that I don't know if I'll ever be good at. I don't know if this will ever be natural to me. But I know it's worth it, and I know I can get less bad at it. I want to show you, uh, I don't know about you, when I have conversations, there's times where I'm sure that you and I have been talking, you know, and you're going, that was really awkward. Why did he say that? And I want you to know what I'm thinking is, Taka, that was really awkward. Why'd you say that? I feel the same way. I'm just trying my best, right? Because I'm not good with conversations and relationships. I want you to show you a video of what's actually happening in my head during a conversation. Like, it's good, I'm recovering, I'm falling, I'm recovering, I'm falling. This is what's constantly happening. And this is why relationships and conversations are exhausting to me. Because I'm constantly falling and recovering and falling and recovering. And I know, I know you're going, you're awkward. I know. I know. And this is what makes me afraid of going across the street. But here's what I've decided to do. It's just, we can, we, we can, we can go on to the next slide. I can send that to you if you, you want. Um, I've decided if this is what God has asked me to do, if this is what God has asked me to do, then it's worth me being uncomfortable. It's just worth it. It's worth me looking silly. It's worth me being awkward. It's actually worth way more than that. Jesus actually said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And when I, was, when I first became a believer in high school, I was like, I'll die for you, God. I thought I was going to like die before I was 30, right? Now it's, it's like, okay, take up your cross and follow me. Walk across the street. I know you don't want to. I know you want to think of an excuse of why it can't happen. You got five minutes. Get it done. Right? See, there's a book years ago that I read called Just Walk Across the Room. And the whole idea was that life is relationships. And the whole idea of the book was just, just walk across the room. Just take the first step to walk across the room to build that relationship. And it's the same thing with us. Just take the first step to walk across the yard. You're not going to want to. You're going to feel a resistance. Can I even tell you this? There's a very real resistance to everything positive you ever want to do. Everything that's important, you're going to feel resistance. Actually, here's what I really believe that the resistance is not something that should keep you from doing it. Allow the resistance to guide you to what's most important. Because if you don't feel any resistance, it's not important. You'll never feel any resistance to opening Instagram on your phone. I've never heard someone say, I want to open Instagram, but I just feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. I've never heard someone, you know what you do? You open Instagram, you're going, I didn't even realize I opened Instagram. That's how that usually happens. It's not bad. You'll never feel resistance to eating a sandwich at 11 o'clock at night, right? 
But you, you know what you'll feel resistance around? The important things. Having the conversation you should have. Having the spiritual disciplines you should have. Picking up your Bible. Praying. Calling that person that you know you should. Walking across the streets to your neighbor. All the important things. Writing the first page of the book you know you're supposed to write. Starting the blog you know that you're supposed to. Taking that first step and writing a business plan for that nonprofit or that business venture you know you're supposed to be doing. Those are the things you feel a lot of resistance. It'll never be the right time. It'll never be the right moment. You'll feel tons of resistance, resistance around that stuff. And instead of writing the book or writing the blog or writing the business plan, what you'll do is you'll organize your desk. Again, no resistance. So what are the things that are holding you back? And I'm, I'm super thankful that my life was changed and continues to be changed by people that walked across the room for me. And I want you to think about you. If I think about like, if you think about how has God changed your life, it hasn't been because, oh man, that flyer that church did, or I was at that church and they had these moving lights and man, it just made me see Jesus in a whole new way. I bet you can name names, right? People that said, hey, can I talk to you afterwards? And they poured life into you. You were discouraged and they encouraged you. They poured courage into your heart. Can I tell you, a lot of the times, those individuals were fighting God before they had that conversation with you because they didn't want to. It was inconvenient. It was going to take time. It was going to risk failure, risk looking stupid. And now that's on you. You have the power by the Spirit of God to change someone's life. One of the things we did at our, at our old uh, house in the Midwest, because we had a large backyard, you can play, play football in the backyard, we had like a big back patio and a, like a swing set, you know, and so it was a setup to really hang out back there. The front yard was not as cool, it was just a patch of grass, right? So we started to do, after we, we read this book that we're going through right now, is we started playing in the front yard. So I had like this, this big 150-pound dog, so we would play catch in the front yard. Some neighbors like that, some were scared of that, um, which brought up more conversations, but... We started doing stuff in the front yard. I would like a redneck sit on my uh, driveway with a book. Instead of reading in the back porch, I would read on, uh, on my lawn chair <laughs> on my driveway. Not at the end of my driveway like a crazy person, but like, you know, near the, their garage. Um, but I just read it there. Why? Because I began to learn names as the same people would walk their dogs by. Stuff that I was missing when I was just on the other side of the house. So what are some little things that you can do to build relationships? I think that if some of us took Jesus seriously with this, I mean really took Jesus seriously, I think this will lead us on a whole new path of purpose. I think some of us have been aimless, purposeless, and this may be the very thing that's supposed to spark something inside of you. That this will be the catalyst for something in your heart, an adventure that you'll never forget your true calling. I'm going to end with this story if Worship Team wants to, wants to come up. These um, the friends of us, of ours, actually of, of the church called the King family. Actually, uh, Eddie, one of the members of the family, was at our, launch, our first launch meeting for the church at, in our, the, our living room. And as the story goes, uh, they had this house, they live in Chino, and they had this fruit tree in the front yard as many people do, and they noticed that their neighbor was taking fruit from their tree. And they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's like, why? Why are you taking fruit? Fine, come to find out, the neighbor had lost their job. So this wasn't just 
I want an orange, so I took an orange. This was dinner. Isn't that crazy to think about? So Charlene and David, the, the, the mom and dad of the family, they go, look, stop taking fruit, but come over for any meal you want. We'll have dinner set. We'll have some extra settings every dinner for your family. So the neighbors started coming over for dinner, started coming over for lunch, started coming over for breakfast. Then they, more neighbors started coming, so they actually had to start going to Starbucks and another like Vons grocery store and going, do you have any extra like food or coffee or whatever that we can use to feed our neighbors? It just grew. They opened their cupboards. They said, anytime you want to come in, we have these cupboards in the back room of the house. Take whatever you want, whenever you want. It was like a food pantry, but it was their house. And they had neighbors coming in all the time. They realized they had to formalize something because it was getting so big. So they formally called it Isaiah's Rock years later. Now today, they do two giveaways every week. I mean, so they have meals. You can go there today and grab lunch with the family if you want, right? So they do that, but they have two large grocery giveaways every week. 500 families every week get their groceries from the King family's ministry. Last Christmas, they give toys to 1,300 families and 5,200 kids. Isn't that wild? And it was all because Charlene noticed the neighbor was taking oranges from their tree. And they decided to just do something about it. Hey, what's your name? Do you want to eat something? And everything started from there. Charlene later said, she goes, if you have food on your table, you should not have hungry neighbors. If you have food on your table, you should not have hungry neighbors. It's simple. It's simple. Sometimes we make things way more complicated than it needs to be. I'd like to take it a step further. If you have hope, you should not have hopeless neighbors. If you have love, you should not have lonely neighbors. If you have Christ, you should not have neighbors that don't know about him. And I know here's the thing. I get so overwhelmed when I think about stuff like this, right? So I'm, I'm sure all of us have like projects around the house that need to be done. Like your honeydew list is like really long or maybe you're like me and you're, you get a project to be 80% done and then you're like, I'm emotionally done. So it's gonna be done for a while. I'm gonna do another project to 80% done. And then you have all these projects around your house that are not fully done, which annoys you even more. It's like a group therapy session, right? So this is, this is me. We're about to do Christmas decorations. After Thanksgiving, we start doing Christmas decorations, right? And those usually stay up until the, the you know, summer. But I get overwhelmed even with Christmas. Halfway through decorating the Christmas tree or the outside of the house, every year what happens is I get overwhelmed and I'm like, Nally, I just need to sit down. And Nally knows I'm just going to finish this by myself because I just get so overwhelmed. And here's the thing. It's the same with neighboring. When you think about all the, the eight families around your house, it's so overwhelming. When you think about if you're an introvert, it's so overwhelming. So where do you even start, right? Where do you even start? And it's easier just to leave church and go, great talk, I'm not gonna do it because it's overwhelming. Not because you, you agree. Like, yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. All that stuff you said, totally agree. Not gonna do it, afraid. I'm just scared. Just not gonna do it. Here's a great place to start when you're overwhelmed. Got these things called block maps. Start with this. Start with this. Take from, go from strangers to acquaintances to relationships. Strangers to acquaintances to relationships. To go from strangers to acquaintances, you just need someone's name. So they go from 
that guy on the corner to that's Mike, stranger to acquaintance. I know him now. I know her now, right? And then to go from acquaintance to relationship is just time and shared memories. That's going to take a long time, but you got to start with their name. Eugene Peterson, the guy who wrote the message translation, Eugene Peterson, talks about long obedience in the same direction. So many of us have, have struggled to get momentum as regards to the purpose God has for us because we have disjointed sprints, short sprints in different directions. And Eugene Peterson talks about his long obedience in the same direction. We overestimate what we can do in a week, a month, or even a year, and we underestimate what God can do through us in years. In years. So don't let fear get in the way. Don't let fear get in the way. Put your block map up, a block map up somewhere. Can I even challenge you? Some of you guys need to do this for work too. Because it's a whole different group of people there. Where the cubicles around you, the offices around you. For some of you guys that own a business and you have a physical brick and mortar location, then you need to do this maybe for the businesses that are around you. Because those businesses aren't logos, those businesses are people. Right? Your greatest, your most impactful, the most fulfilling things you will ever do in life. You gotta hear me, the most impactful, the greatest contributions you will ever make, the biggest wins of your life will be on the other side of fear. Some of your greatest regrets in life will be on this side of fear. This is all the coulda, woulda, shoulda stuff. On this side of fear. Can I challenge you? Are you afraid? Yeah, me too. Feel the fear, do it anyway. Feel the fear, think about it, talk about it, do it anyway. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage, courageous people aren't people who just are like, have some hormone deficiency and they don't feel fear. Courageous people are people who believe that there's something more important than the thing they're afraid of. We put our hope in that. Now, here's my last challenge to you. Don't miss don't miss what God wants to do through you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And it all starts with block map. Learn names. Learn stories. You get it yet? Block map. Start it. <laughs> block map. Do it. All right? Challenge it. Do it. Learn names. And then go from there. I mean, we're going to start doing like, um, you remember like uh, Book It? Did you ever do Book It growing up? Or if you fill out... Uh, your little form or have your mom lie and fill out the form. Then you get a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. <laughs> to, to this day, I love personal pan pizzas because of Book It. Maybe we're going to do something where, like, if you fill this out, <laughs> we'll get you. I, I, okay, here's what I, I promise you. I'll put it on record. You fill this out <laughs> with, like, not as random names, but the real people's names from your neighborhood. Like, I, Kevin and Carl and Jim. Like, real people. If you just fill out their names and text me a picture, I will send you like a gift card to Pizza Hut so you can get yourself a personal pan pizza, okay? Like I will personally buy you a personal pan pizza if you do this. I'm on record for doing that. It's that important. I'll be glad to send you a pizza, all right? Or a voucher for a pizza. I don't want to mail you a pizza. All right, it's important, it's important, it's important. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing uh, this song again, okay? God, we just... God, I pray that you would just silence the voice of the enemy, God. I pray that you would silence the voice of fear. I pray you'd raise courage up in our hearts and, and a belief that you can do something through us, God. That you called us to do more than just go to church. 
But God, you love our neighbors. You love them as much as you love us. That there's no one we'll ever meet that you didn't die for. Would you, God, would you help us to love them like you do? God, would you break our hearts for them? Would we see them the way you see them? Not as projects, not as issues, but as people to be loved? God, help us to do that. Give us the divine appointments. Give us the words to speak when we're with them. And God, would they trust us enough? Would they trust us enough? Would we have enough relational collateral with them that maybe one day they trust us enough to ask us about you? They trust us enough to ask us to pray for them. God, I pray that we can let your light shine in those relationships. We do this for you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet and let's sing the song Reckless Love together.